Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, my name's Gary Mansfield, and this is, for the last time, the Mizog Art Podcast, because... I just wanted to remind you all that in the new year we will be rebranding to the Ministry of Arts, just to fall in line with other projects we've got running under that same name. If you haven't already done so, could you follow the Ministry of Arts on Instagram, and that is at ministryofartsorg, O-R-G. And likewise, we've got a new website being built, which is ministryofarts.org which we're hoping to get up online before the new year. Since I first said a few weeks ago that we will be rebranding, I've had so many emails and social media messages asking about the intro. So, through popular demand, let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 57 of the Mizogart Podcast. For this week's episode, I have teamed up with three other art podcasts, all of whom I've mentioned on previous episodes. A few weeks ago, I got together with the Artfully Podcast, the Art Proof Podcast and the Delphian Podcast. So we all got together to do a little art podcast crossover to find out a little more about each other and how and why we decided to start our podcasts and at the same time give a wider art podcast range to our respective listeners if they wasn't already aware of them of course. So before we start I've got to thank Rowan Newton of the Art Proof Podcast for accommodating us for this recording, Nick of the Delphian Podcast for editing and to Liz from the Artfully Podcast for the promotional gift that we'll all be using on social media. But remember, if you aren't already aware of any of these podcasts in this episode, once you've finished listening, go and find them, subscribe, and listen away. But of course, 
That's after you've listened to this four-in-one Christmas podcast crossover. So, um, I'm Liz. And I'm Jessie. And we're from the Artfully Podcast. And the Artfully Podcast is a podcast full of art. Um, news stories and a little bit of gossip. And then we always do exhibition reviews as well. Every Yeah, exhibition reviews, uh, talking about current affairs in art and also um, have an art focus every month, don't we? Which is um, ranged from Anton Kiefer to Bridget Riley to Yayuki Summer. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, it's accessible and but fun at the same time. Yeah. All right, well, I'm Ben. And I'm Nick. And, uh, <laughs> and we are from the Delphium podcast. Now, Delphium is a, I suppose we're a gallery, but we also do a podcast, a um, series of talks. We've just written a book. And our podcast is just us two chatting with art world practitioners from artists to curators to gallerists, etc. Uh, and I'm Nicholas. And I'm Rowan. And uh, what do we do? We, don't we yeah, we sporadically <laughs> do podcasts where we interview people from the art world that we like and enjoy, either their work or how they run their galleries, etc. That's it. But Eric is missing tonight. We should just point that out. That is true. Eric's not here. Otherwise, name... otherwise engaged. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Gary Mansfield. I produce the Mizog Art Podcast on my own. I'm on my own this evening. <laughs> um, I. I um, like the Delphian, I also speak to artists and anyone else in the peripherals of that industry. My podcast in the new year is going to be changing its name or rebranding to the Ministry of Arts. Uh, what, what's it, what is the Ministry of Arts? Uh, I've done a talk at the NED for some asset managers. Um, they wanted people who had an inspirational story. Um, and they got pointed towards me. I told them about my story to do with prison and working in the arts. Um, It went on to talking about art within the city, and I said about how sterile I thought the artwork was in these big money companies. Um, And I sort of half talked them into putting exhibitions in their their environments for what I think are more um, presentable artists. The artists I'm looking at um, getting 50% and the other 50%, what the gallery would normally take, will be going to a chosen charity. So you're not getting paid for this all? Well, I'll be getting paid for the funding that he's putting the show in. That's the the formula that we've just done, the first one last week in Liverpool Street. Um, We've got to see whether it's viable yet. We're going to do two or three more, um, yeah, just to see if it's viable. So can you say, like, is there banks involved? Can you say who you've got involved in it yet? Is that, I, I don't even know what asset management is. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I got asked for a talk banks, with them. It's like it's I it's, get to it, They don't like to be associated with banks. Right, uh-huh. For whatever reason. Makes it sound like, <laughs> it sound like they are banks. They're, they're like, they said, we're like a hedge fund, but... We work with the people, which still went over my head. I don't know what hedge fund. Nor do I. <laughs> I they, was, they, was, they was offering to finance me, so they were good people. <laughs> they were the salt of the earth. Is that all it takes? Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. Do you know how they found you? It was a friend of a friend. Someone, okay. is a, uh, someone runs another podcast. 
Um, not an art podcast, just a, a sort of general podcast. Head fund podcast. Now, a guy called Stu Riffin, he runs a, um, a podcast via Scroobius Pit. You know Scroobius oh, Pit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's yeah, all, all part of that network. He's a friend of mine. He was a friend of a friend who got me into this, who, who told them about my story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Essex as well. Is this an Essex circle of people? It is, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm so, doing in South London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm well out of the comfort zone. Yeah, I'm a North Londoner, and my husband was not happy about me. Going <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right with me. I'm from Yorkshire, so I'm well out. Yeah. <laughs> and why did it change your name at all then? Well, it looks like. Um, from conception of just having the name of Ministry of Arts, which was going to be this thing that went into the city um, businesses, um, some more stuff has come from that already, um, like art sales, art rentals. Um, that's what we're looking at, and we, right. we're just going to see if that's going to work in the city, you know. Oh, yeah. And if it does, it needed an umbrella name. I come up with that one. It was I nicked the logo off the Ministry of Justice, which I thought was pretty pretty humorous um, we won't tell them that and that's <laughs> and uh, yeah and just that's where it was going so I just put everything under that umbrella and cool. I constantly get asked what Mizog means which is yeah, still alright yeah. yeah I think mean, that's quite intriguing I've yeah, had a few people. Americans ask me what my Zog is <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, so. get, we get people even artists we've exhibited saying what does Delphine mean and Delphine. Yeah. Del- where's Delphine? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what do you tell them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say Google it, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 Fair enough. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does uh, art proof mean? Oh, it's, it's the, if yeah. you don't know, you don't know. It's a lot of brain. Uh, how is a brain? <laughs> the, first rule, <laughs> the first rule of art proof. <laughs> 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 and how did you come up with your name, Artfully? Um, Jesse came up. <laughs> I had no I think idea. It's actually it. like twenty different names. Yeah, yeah. We went through a lot. Did you get it straight away? Did you know what you guys wanted? What Delphian? Yeah. Uh, we did a show called Delphian. We basically yeah. wanted to pick a word that was pretty Googleable. So if you Google it, you're not really going to find nice, much else. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have the SEOs there. But about the SEOs. Yeah, we did a show in my studio in Whitechapel about five years ago. Yeah. And that was kind of cool. I mean, it didn't really have a title, I don't think, but it was kind, kind of cool. Kind of cool. Delphi. Cunts. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, I think it kind of had a few names, but... Um, yeah. and then, what did you say that? Group Collective Arconsts. <laughs> yeah, we thought the name Group Collective was quite funny, because yeah. obviously Group and Collective mean yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then we started the Instagram for that show, and then we kind of forgot about it for ages. Mm. And we just started posting stuff again. And it, I guess Delphi just was the name then. Yeah, mm. and just yeah. snowballed. Oh. Just snowballed from there. Oh, right, yeah. I thought you said just then you just snowballed. Non sequitur, but. And how did yours get going from just conversations while working yeah, together well, or post working? Yeah, we used to. No, yeah, well, no, it definitely wasn't when we were working together because we haven't worked together now for like a couple of years, three years or three something. Three or four yeah. years. But I think we just, when we did work together, we kind of bonded in the fact that we. Like the same kind of art that wasn't necessarily the art we were actually. Yeah, seeing. and when, also when, when also when you just work together, you just spend like all day just talking yeah. about stuff. Completely. So you kind of already know that you've got like a rapport. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then like, we were just we were chatting in our living room about something we'd seen, and I think my husband was just like, "You guys really need to record this. <laughs> this is kind of wasted." So 
But I don't know if you guys feel like this, but it's always that daunting thing when you do that first episode, and like you're like, I think I'm interesting to listen to. Right. <laughs> and I quite like talking to you, but like just because your husband endorses us doesn't necessarily. <laughs> like, you should have that on the bottom of your, of your <laughs> yeah. website. Yeah. 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 And how long was it between you? Like your husband suggesting it to you guys doing it. Oh, pretty, we're pretty on it, to be fair. Like, yeah. I, think it was about I was talking about weeks. it for about a year and a half before yeah. I finally. Yeah, it was, like, it was like two weeks before. Yeah, it was pretty pretty quick. But um, we just kind of, you know, somehow cobbled it together. I, I knew I could edit it, some, you know. Yeah, that was me. very fortunate because you've got a bit of a background in music. Yeah, so that was, we didn't have to pay for someone to do that, which was always a bonus. And then you work in PR, so you could do all the promotion. And my husband did all the graphics for it and stuff. So it's kind of. Just came yeah, together, came together quite easily for us, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was cool. So, so for us, it was just sitting in the pub after, <laughs> after going to the pub after a show and having a chat, and then doing the same thing a couple of days later, having a chat with different people, yeah, and thinking all these conversations are lost, all these moments, yeah, yeah. 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 After you leave, ah, oh, that's really good. It'd be good to go back and meet that stranger again and talk about that. Yeah. So Roman was like, oh, we should get together. We should record these yeah. things yeah. after. Yeah, because every Thursday night we were essentially doing it. Yeah. It really felt like it could be out there yeah. and people would be interested. Well, we'd be, in we do it anyway in the pub with a stranger. Yeah. So you might as well just get married. It's much less profound than that. Me and Nick just had these ideas like, oh, should we do a podcast? Yeah, yeah. And we just did a podcast. That's the best For years, when I've been in the studio, I'll always listen to a talk-based radio, you know, or, or storybooks. Mm. Um, then I got into podcasts, and I, I, I mean, I didn't look too far, but I couldn't really find any art interviews. Mm. And I know so many artists from, like, my time in prison. Uh, I didn't meet them in prison. Where I've sort of got to know so many artists, I thought, well, I'm in a prime position to sort of just tap on a lot of artists' yeah. door to sort of ask if they'd fancy doing one. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always been really conscious of my accent and my vocabulary. I know, I know my knowledge is good, because yeah. I've read so much, but my vocabulary isn't good, nor is my accent. And, uh, well, there's nothing wrong with my accent, but I'm conscious <laughs> of it within the art world. And I just figured I'd take that sort of attitude where if I'm scared of a spider, you go and sort of handle a tarantula, you know? So oh, yeah. I figured I'd just start a podcast and went from there actually that's probably what makes your show so accessible because I think a a lot of people who want to learn about art in the art world it you know it can be quite um I don't know a bit daunting to kind of get into it it's quite an exclusive well you don't want to get into like a BBC podcast or a BBC documentary sometimes no it's very dry it's quite serious I had a set of fundamentals that I wrote down first and um where art changed my life so much I wanted to sort of, and I, I know that where I've gone into prisons and it's, it's helped other people as well, yeah. I wanted people like myself off council estates to have access into the arts because it can change people so much. Mm. Totally. So I figured I could possibly be that person to do it. Yeah, mm. that's great. And have you had people get in touch with you? Yeah, loads. Who listen to your podcast yeah. and say that it's helped I had someone like come up to me in a gallery when I was talking. Huh. Talk, when, I, well, when I was talking to someone else... They asked if I was Gary Mansfield from the Miserable Podcast. Oh, that's yeah, that's very cool. cool. Okay. Yeah. You really the Gary Mansfield. No, <laughs> I thought he was a policeman and ran away. <laughs> yeah, I I've been on your podcast. It was quite fun. It was like, of, all, of all the podcasts and that kind of thing I've done, yours was one of the more fun ones. 
Mm-hmm. It was very informal, just like a chat, That's just hanging out. Yeah. And we'd never yeah. met before either, no. so you just came around to my studio, we just had a, had a sit down yeah. and a chat, and it was really good. Well, I, I try not to be any different than I am. I'm a bit sort of immature and throw a joke in when it's not needed. <laughs> Joe, no. So, <laughs> there was one now. Uh, there was uh, two nuns in a bath. No. Yeah, so I figured it's it's being any different than you are in real life. So, you know, if it makes people accessible. And I, I, I like to think that artists can listen to it as well, as well as people who are to just introduce themselves into it. That's it. That yeah, was yeah. a big reason why I kind of wanted to get into it, because I spent, every time I paint... I'm listening to podcasts. I, that's what I do. I just I don't really listen to music that much. I like the, the kind of the company, the company, so you can be but quite I lonely, found, isn't it, painting by yourself? Yeah, but I found when I did that, I painted it a lot slower. So now I refuse to. Like if I have music, like quite old beat music, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I just keep going. What about you? Because you've more done paints. They can be doing things. How's yeah, it work for you? I, well, my my work is very very dull to do. So I. You want to try looking at it? <laughs> 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 yeah, so, so my work is is utter garbage, and for that reason, um, when I'm making it, basically, I'm doing repetitive patterns and detail for days sometimes. Yeah. So I need to have something to distract me. So I often have music or documentaries or podcasts mm-hmm. to kind of so that I can zone out from the artwork, really. Yeah. So the actual drawing of like the, the faces and the figures um, is fairly quick, and that's something I need to be in the zone for. But then doing the patterns is just monotonous, so I need someone else to distract me. I must say, your podcast was the first one that I spoke out to. I'm sitting on the train, and one of you asked the other one a question and said, do you think that? And I went, yes. <laughs> and then I looked around and I thought, oh, fucking hell, no, no. I, spoke, I spoke out and I went, yeah. yeah. No, that's great. That's that's I was a bit off. worried there when you were saying that you were thinking out of it. I think, I Yeah, I spoke out. Oh, that's money. good. That's really good. It's, it's great to have the feedback as well when people, you just, you know, strangers write to you and say, you know, that they really appreciate what you're doing and it just makes it all worthwhile doesn't it really yeah. mm-hmm. someone told me the other day they were listening to our podcast in the bath yeah. it made me feel a bit <laughs> weird yeah we should probably ask where people are listening to us there should be a dress code <laughs> 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 well, how long is your podcast how long about uh, it's like usually 25 to 35 minutes <laughs> okay that's okay, so only a little bit yeah, yeah, probably yeah. pruning yeah, yeah. 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 about 45 minutes ish that's till the water's probably cold then. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why. That's why it includes one in the bath, isn't it? Oh, okay. What's the longest one you've done? Longest bath I've done. Longest podcast? I don't know. It's about. I mean, it'll be this one. An, 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 <laughs> right, actually, it'll it'll be this one. It'll really be this one. It's about an hour, I don't know. Ray Richardson just over two hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's good. He's moving into two. Yeah, I liked that. I can't remember. But I know no, we were really wrong at the end because <laughs> we started laughing like soppy little schoolboys. Yeah. <laughs> I even cut a minute of laughter out, and there were still two minutes in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would have been inclined to cut out like two minutes fifty. <laughs> yeah. and that was a good way, a good way to end. <laughs> I it out with you laughing. Yeah, well, I should have just kept the laughing on loop at the end. So what, what podcasts do you guys all listen to? In our time. Oh yeah, classic. Sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, it's good, it's Melvin Bragg. Like, every week, 
he'll talk about a different subject, but it'll be like, he'll be talking about, say, the Renaissance, and then he'll be like, next week we're talking about AI and self service checkouts. It's wild, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's another one of stuff you should know. I listen to oh, yeah, it's a similar, similar yeah. sort of thing. Where he's, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. They'll talk about a subject, they'll both, both get to research something, mm. come back and like, discuss their research, and the next week will be a completely different subject. Both of them probably don't know anything about it. Yeah. And that's quite a good one. Because there's like, things like, they're both Americans, so a lot of the stuff is subjects that they should have learned in school and they never did. <laughs> right. And there's yeah. no reason why I would know it at all. Yeah. So there's the abstract realities. Do you guys know um, To The Studio? No. It's like a new London based yeah. artist podcast. No. It's good. Okay. Check it out. We should have had a bit of it. We can't have a room full of people. I mean, we do already have a room full of people. We probably <laughs> couldn't fit many more. Did you rearrange the room for tonight? Yeah, yeah. come early. Yeah, <laughs> two hours of getting it just right. <laughs> well, I've, got, I've got a lot of friends who do podcasts. Um, I got a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how many of them do podcasts? <laughs> Seven. Yeah. <laughs> how many come early? Yes, I listen to a lot of theirs. Like we were saying, Scroobius Pip and his lot, you know, where I know all of them, um, I listen to their podcasts. I like his one because he gets quite varied yeah. people in as well He's like from all walks of life. And it yeah. seems to be that the two big ones in the country are him and Adam Buxton. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Buxton, though, really short. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. quite short man. Are we Adam Buxton? Yeah. Yeah, he's coming on. I've got him on mine next year. Don't tell him I said he was short. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm worried>. no. <laughs> <laughs> he must have noticed. He went to art school, Adam. Adam Buxton, so I've got him on mine for, well, he's agreed to it. Nice. That's, that's where we are so far. Then I untied him and <laughs> <laughs> took him out the boot and I've not heard from him since. <laughs> I've been listening to Artist Decoded. Oh yeah, that one's been too. around for yeah. a while. Well, I don't know that. He's based in America actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I trouble with American LA. ones. I know, that's a big reason why we kind of started ours, because we were complaining that of just loads of American ones. Oh, I just struggle with the accent. Oh. And I know that sounds really bad, <laughs> but I just, I can do like 10, 15 minutes of it. How are you with, uh, with Gary's accent right now? I love that accent. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think your accent's really great for recording. Oh, okay. I don't know why. You know what? A lot of police stations have said exactly the same thing to an interview. What else? I was just about to say. Oh, there's a, a com- comedian's artist podcast as well called I think it was called The Secret Artist that I only found last week because um, a lot of comedians went to art school yeah 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 um, and like there's Vic a, Reeves and yeah Harry Hill there's a, a comedian called Annie McGrath or Annie McGrath I can't remember the pronunciation mm-hmm. but she's just started The um, Secret Artist I've only listened to a couple of those but they're pretty cool oh cool and she does an artwork with them at the time she brings them in oh, they do an artwork for 50 minutes or an hour yeah um, and just talk while they're doing it. Yeah, I was gutted when I heard it. That was such yeah. a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I wasn't going to say that, but I had to. There's, there's an Australian tattooist who does a similar thing, though. Who tattoos people? Well, he's an illustrator as well. No, in fact, he does, yeah. So they draw, they do do a drawing during it as well, during the interview. But I think he's mostly interviewing musicians, actually. Uh-huh. As they're getting tattooed. And then at the end, he'll also do, do them a tattoo if they want. Wow. Mm. So you need to get a gimmick. Have you been on any podcasts? I've been on one um, for uh, a gallery called Fat Space Gallery, which I was on, um, 
which was good, but that was just like a really short one, really. But um, no, just just hours chatting away. I don't know what anybody would put me on a podcast to just talk about my podcast. I've been on this one called the Mezog Art Podcast. Oh, I've yeah. heard about that. It's brilliant. People should check out <laughs> my Zog. Is it my Zog? Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. So. What about you, Rowan? Have I been on? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Delphian. I see why you're pointing down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Let me talk for a whole hour. Yeah. Off along. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant time. One-way convo? Or... <laughs> uh, ours, we try and keep ours to being a little bit one-way. We just try and we try and shut up as much as possible. Like, I I would talk, as I'm doing now, I would talk forever if someone didn't stop me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with ours, we try and... As I say, you've been on mine. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for the ones which, for you guys which interview people. Do you find, do you look at your ratings? Does it vary massively depending on who you're interviewing? Oh, yeah. Ooh, tricky territory. I don't care. I stopped looking at mine yeah, a long time ago because I started. Someone gave me a few tips on what to do to try and get more listeners, and mm. I started doing it, and I felt really uncomfortable with it because I yeah. I didn't start mine for oh. listener numbers mm-hmm. really. But I have noticed answering your question, mm. I had like Mark Wallinger mm. and. Um, Benjamin Murphy. Yeah, it was a bit, all the greats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had Matt Collishaw and um, Mark Wallinger, mm-hmm. one after the other. Yeah. And then I had a homeless person a couple of weeks before who, who used art to get out of, or like get off the streets. Yeah. And the homeless person wiped the floor with the yeah, pair of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was he almost done as much as both of them put together. Wow, wow that's mad. And that's intriguing Brilliant. as well because sometimes, you know, all that people have to go off is like the name yeah. of the episode. Yeah. And normally, you know, when you're going through, you'll just be like, mm, like you know, Desert Island Disc. Yeah. I don't really want to know about that's it. Jimmy yeah. Carr's like <laughs> eight tracks. Yeah. But, you know, maybe someone else you do. But it's, it's really interesting that like, a homeless guy. Yeah. People know the story probably, but they just saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, just, that's like, probably yeah. what it was. Yeah. And then I've done a tattoo artist and she just knocks spots off everyone. Interesting. Mm. So I guess it's because they're maybe more accessible because if you if you're if people don't know who Matt Collisher is, yeah. they're not from from the art world, then or it, those it, stories you just look over the name. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. Just, you just think about the story. Yeah. To be yeah, fair, if, I, if I'm like looking for one to listen to, I'll look at who the guest is and then just decide on, yeah. on which ones I know or like. Oh, see, oh, I'm a bit addicted to podcasts. I will just listen. All of them, everything. Yeah. <laughs> like Scroobius Pips when I started listening to his he was 120 in and I caught up on that <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking terrible <laughs> I listen to him in my car in my yeah. studio in the bath when I'm in the bath I listen to yours <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I just listen to I, I don't watch much telly anymore I'm, no, I'm no, starting no. to sound a bit fucking sad don't I no, no, but, no, no, uh, and then I find one and I just hope like someone said to me the other day, oh, you're listening to so-and-so's podcast. I had a look, and they was like 100 and something in, and I said, I can't fucking do it. Because <laughs> as soon as I watch one, yeah. I put all of the others, uh, sorry, as soon as I listen to one, I put all the others to one side, catch like up. binge Not on set. that one, and then I have to catch up on everything else. <laughs> yeah, so it's really bad. So with Scooby's Pip as well, originally, like I would go for the names. But then now, and I listen to Joe Rogan as well, now generally I will go for the, one, the names I haven't heard of. Because they do end up being more interesting. And you kind of know a bit enough about... I can't think. But you know what I mean. So you've got Tom Hanks on. Something. You kind yeah. of know enough about yeah. Tom Hanks. Yeah, he's uh, been interviewed so many person. times. You know yeah, what yeah. happened in his life. And they all answer the same questions. I mean, that's why I have 
uh, them questions running through mine so that everyone has to answer the same simple mm. questions. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's going to be, it's, it's not necessarily going to be something you would have heard from Matt Collishaw or whomever. We've yeah. got a few of those. We call them killer questions. What are like, your killer questions? Uh, I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but... Um, it's like we... two pages of them. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got... Size yeah. 10. Yeah. yeah, we've got two pages of like questions for, to fill silence if there, if there is any. But we've got yeah. like a section called killer questions that can be asked at any point. They're really good and they're like... They will. They're really good. No, the answer. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember them, but they're yeah. good. Yeah. Oh yeah, they kill them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So one of them is like, what? What one piece of advice would you give to an emerging artist starting their career now? And then whatever, whoever you ask that to, there's going to be a opens them up. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be like an interesting, useful bit of advice. Yeah, totally. We've just got like one question. <laughs> Other than that, it's just that's, a, that's definitely a killer question. It's fine. What is your question? Yeah. What is the, the do, one killer question? Do you have your own art hanging in your house? If so, why that piece? Oh. Well, well that's that's you don't. I don't, I don't see any of yours in this yeah, house. Yeah, I don't. Why is that? You don't have any art in here, actually. No, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a Christmas tree, no decorations up yet. Gary, do you have faith? <laughs> Of mine, yeah. I've you sorry, you successfully diverted. Yeah. Judging by the reaction, that's all right. Thanks. 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 Uh, why don't I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Girlfriend, why let you? No, it's okay. <laughs> I would imagine if you were looking at your own work, you'd constantly be thinking how you wanted to tweak it or how you could have made it better. But you just wouldn't be able to relax with it around you, because I assume most artists feel driven that they can always improve on the last painting. Yeah, I right? hope so. Yeah, and that's yeah. why you keep carrying on, essentially, yeah. I think. Because you always think, ah, oh, I can do it better, I can do it better. So you would have that torture if it was hanging in your room or wherever, because you'd constantly be like, oh, I can't look at it because I know I could have done it better, or I could do that now, or I should have done that. I, don't I have, like, that. one rotating spot, basically, right. whatever the most recent thing is, yeah. put it there. And that makes constantly... sense, yeah. But that's also functional to you as well, because don't you use that for your photography spot as well? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. And also, in that sense, I, feel, I mean, it's good to live <laughs> yeah. with artwork for a while, so that yeah. you can still change it before you put it out in the big wide world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I do think, like, I think that's what's a bit like lost a in London. period. Yeah, because I yeah. think artists are so <laughs> panicked about paying bills that they kind of just do it and then put it straight out, whereas yeah. I actually think you should live with art for a while mm. and yeah, make a decision six months down the line if you yeah. feel that that is still what you consider a good piece of work. We're really lucky because where we live is the office for Delphi and so when all the work arrives in advance of shows, we just stick it on a wall <laughs> <laughs> yeah. get to enjoy it for a bit before it goes into a inch, show. There's not an inch of unused wall space on <laughs> yeah. so we can come down for a preview. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. We're not <laughs> when I put one of my face values or my first face value show on, um, I I'd, I'd, I'd had little bits of artwork from friends and that indoors, and then at one point I was just going through a list of these artworks that I had sitting in my home, and I had um, uh, <laughs> I had like Sarah Lucas original piece, and um, who else? Oh, I can't even think. My mind's gone blank. But there was um, uh, not Matt Collishaw. Um, oh, my mind's gone blank but I had sort of like 70, 80 grains worth of arm <laughs> sitting in my council house and I was like oh, for fuck's sake but, <laughs> the insurance company yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah so I had Sarah Lucas she had these things called brick tits 
and I had them on the mantelpiece at first, and that was before I found out how much they were worth, and then mm -hmm. I sort of slowly put them back in their box and <laughs> put them away. You know. And gave them someone else to destroy, right? I, I destroyed them myself oh, first. Right. Oh. I destroyed them myself what? both times. Oh, I really love what you did with the um, Marcus Harvey. Marcus Harvey, yeah, that was... So Mar Marcus Harvey's uh, did this really fam famous painting of um, Myra Hindley's face done with children's handprints. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, if anyone listening isn't aware, they... Myra Hindley basically murdered a load of children and left them on, buried them on the moors. She was between one of the moors yeah, left them on the moors in between Manchester and Yorkshire. And so Gary took the print, took a print of her, of the painting of her face, and left it in a field with a fork stuck for it, like a, a gardening <laughs> fork stuck for it, and they just yeah. left it in the field. But that's brilliant. That went down well. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet it did. It did. No, it did. And when the when the farmer came along, because I was on his on his grounds, he'd come along and said, "What are you doing?" I said, "There's an artwork over there of Myra Hindley with a fork for it." And he went, "All right." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just carried on. <laughs> it's art, mate. You're all right. <laughs> yeah. The first one, I know, I know. I explained the face value. <clears throat> The, the newer concept, the original one, it was just me getting artworks from artists and mm -hmm. damaging them within context of the artist or, its, or the artwork, just to ask if the value would still be the same after another artist has right. yeah. put these marks on it. Yeah, yeah. And I had um, like the, the um, Chapman brothers, I put theirs in a McDonald's drive-thru and let every the, the punters sort of drive over it, you know, because they've <laughs> always amazing. taken the piss out of McDonald's. Did you use <laughs> cigarette burns on the... Uh... On, Sarah Lucas. Sarah Lucas's tip bricks I've done cigarette burns and on the second one when, when we done it it didn't sell the first time and because I still had her artwork which was damaged I phoned her up and I said like, am I right to use it again for a second I want to do a second show based around this I want to I told her what I was going to do and I said that I wanted to because it had Sarah Lucas on the front of these bricks mm -hmm. I wanted to turn that within themselves and put Gary Mansfield <laughs> as if she's come back into this abusive relationship and gone within herself and I've sort of overpowered her I was the bastard boyfriend you know yeah. so she said yes and that started the face value thing off again Amazing. so that ain't a yeah, it's not a bad way to start a show is it I suppose <laughs> <laughs> who was it that destroyed the de Kooning painting oh uh, Robert Rafferty yeah that's it yeah I tried that first of all, that weren't going. That Ray Richardson I mentioned, we took his ones, he had one of a boxer. And a, a friend of mine used to be a, um, a worldweight champion, um, no, a, a lightweight champion. And um, we took it down to him and put it on the boxing pads and he worked out on the pads on Ray Richardson's little yeah, four, inch, nice. four inch drawing, that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should change the subject. <laughs> talking about no, no, it's me, me talking. Uh, what was your route into the art world like? Well, do you know you what? Do you know how I got into? I mean, I, I trained as an illustrator. That was my degree. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I. Where um, did you do that? Um, at London College of Fashion. So I actually, right. I just basically, I used to do a lot of figurative and portraiture work, and I thought, where can I do that for three years? So I just drew models solidly for three years basically it was pretty sweet um, and then I tried being an illustrator when I was like 21 had no clue of the industry and didn't yeah, make any yeah. money so I was like ah um, so then I got a job working in a gallery which was on Hoxton Square at the time um, and kind of went up from there really mad interview I um, on my CV right at the bottom on the interest it said that I was in a band and I had a link to it 
and in the interview the guy who, um, brought in his like nine year old son and was like yeah that's all great now, but can you play that song that's on YouTube <laughs> so, okay and then I played it it's like great start Monday <laughs> so, oh wow so, what do you mean you played you had a guitar with you he, had, he gave me a guitar oh. and I was like you need to play that song yeah that's really weird I feel and, and you accepted that job yeah, it was fucking brilliant. I literally got to run, like, I was like 22 and got to run this big gallery in, in Hoxton, right opposite Waikiba. It was amazing. But it was very much, I had, I, you know, I sort of said, yes, I could do everything and then really just learned yeah, it. Winged it. Winged it massively. Like, what's a consignment agreement? <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, that was the way I, and it just kind of went from there, really. What about you, Jesse? I hired you, that's how it started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it's planned. I'm the reason for your success. <laughs> so I actually, so I moved to London to do an art foundation, did a fine art foundation, and to be honest, like, listening to the rest of you, I feel like, kind of, I let myself down, because I just, I got, like, through the foundation. Where did you do that? CSM. And then probably, like, probably, like, Halfway through it, I just got really scared by the prospect of being an artist, and I was just like, and I, I'm really good as well. I just have to I, say. But I, but I love writing as well, and I've right. always loved writing, and I love writing about art, and I just kind of got a bit like, no, no I'll go down the writing route, mm. which to be honest is like a really like it's a great route to go down. Yeah. But then, so before you know it, you're you get so distracted by doing everything else that like podcasts. Yeah. yeah, and I literally will say yes to anything, and I'll just like get like I'll do so many different things. And now I've got to the point now where I still do paint, but I've literally been painting the same one painting for three years. I was meant to give it to my brother on his wedding, and that was. He's now divorced. You not... <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so I'm, I'm aiming to finish it for Christmas, so I can give it now as a Christmas present, not as a wedding nice. present. Anymore. Give it a game away now. Yeah. <laughs> Put he the won't, he won't listen on. to this. It's fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, so then I did uh, I did curation at CSM and oh. art criticism and went down the writing and putting on exhibitions and stuff like that, which was fantastic. And then yeah, went into galleries. And well, that was straight from uni. Yeah, you, so I, yeah, yeah, you were yeah, you're my yeah, my first my first mm-hmm. um, graduate job. Jesse's just very very on it, and I was like, yeah, that's what I need. She's yeah, <laughs> yeah, enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. And have you been? Like how well, or how have you, have you managed to be practicing your art the whole time? Been Do you know what I have and haven't? But what I found is since I stopped working um, for a gallery, which I did a few years ago, I kind of um, pulled out from it. I found that my art really improved and really developed. Right. And I think it's because whenever I've worked for um, a gallery director and been involved in the creation, my my style has been so kind of aesthetically tuned to where I was working right. that it yeah, was yeah. affecting my output Um, so I felt that since I've not had that as a distraction I've been able to really think about what I enjoy and what I'm was a bit was that step a bit scary Um, I guess so but um, I felt it was time I was kind of okay with it and I knew I was always I think that's another reason why we do the podcast is to still have like something that's keeping us you know involved in the industry and and keeping our kind of passion alive aside from the painting side because I'm really interested in in, in art in general and uh, the history of it um, but yeah no I, I've, I've actually found that it's kind of flourished I think since I stopped working nice. yeah. yeah, Gary do you, do you, are you getting a lot done as well or are you running around interviewing oh my god <laughs> fucking headless chicken yeah, <laughs> yeah I've done f- are, you, are you feeling like this is my fifth this week 
Right, yeah, yeah. podcast-wise, yeah. yeah, interview. So are you, like, are you looking into next year as still going around headless chicken, or do you want to put no, time aside to get artwork done? Or yeah, I've, I've, I started getting curating? some... I started doing some drawings, um, just because I had so many podcasts to listen to. But again, I had a, a bank of podcasts aside, because mm-hmm. I did do them weekly. I found that too challenging, mm-hmm. so I've taken it to 10 days. So I can do three a month rather than four a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just do, like I've done this week, for get four, five, six done at once. Then I'm all right for a, a month to six weeks, you know, so it gives me a little, a little time. Yeah. I still don't know how you're doing that many, though. Yeah. There's only one of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't know. Someone's fast loaded. No, well, I've done like, I've done three yesterday. So that's, that's, that's a chance. <laughs> and how many meetings did you have yesterday as well? I'd, I'd one meet, uh, well, I had one meeting, two private views, and three podcasts. Oh, wow. So I had a whole day in London. Yeah. I left home. Uh, and you still? Um, <laughs> you didn't manage to get any artwork done. Come on, mate. Oh, that's. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I tried. I did do some work on the computer. I did arrange oh, some yeah, stuff for go. today. Do you ever feel like you sometimes just turn up for an interview and you're just like, and who is? Who am I saying? Well, I, I can't listen to. Yeah, he had that feeling today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't listen to art podcasts because I've before now I've asked someone a question that I heard on a uh, podcast mm. while they was talking. I asked someone else's question. Uh, right, so you can listen yeah. to us because we don't interview people. So that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it still, it still <laughs> creeps in. So I'll, I'll listen to them on my way home, but I won't listen to art podcasts. Yeah. I catch up on on other ones. The art podcasts I generally listen to when I'm um, drawing, painting, or, or whatever, you know, yeah, doing yeah. something arty. At Delphine, you've got a lot going on as well, between curation, your own artwork and photography, yeah. podcasts, well, how do you feel writing, a lot of writing, because you've got a website. Just finished our first book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah literally yesterday. Yeah, wow. So now, it's exciting. Apart what, from, what's apart the book from about? What um, it's like a, a business book for early career artists. Oh, nice. So the best way to sign up. Yeah. Nice. You get asked a lot about that, don't you, from emerging artists? Like yeah, how yeah. To yeah. Well, so we do work. we do like a series of talks, mm-hmm. panel discussion type things. Um, so I, I suppose they were maybe indirectly the inspiration for the book. Yeah, maybe. I think that's yeah. fantastic as well because I think it's a really like undocumented <laughs> area of getting. You know, even yeah. when you have all your training and you go through mm-hmm. like art school yeah. and stuff like that, it's still. The actual act of like becoming yeah. a commercially successful artist—it's yeah. really it's difficult. And used, yeah. we used to find it really difficult in the gallery. Is you know when you've got artists coming in, they're asking you questions, and it's just such a like a it's such a big thing to explain. Yeah. And you kind of just yeah. feel like like we should just go for a drink. And well, I think that's why all these like, podcasts are good yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. That's good for the students to listen to. We, we never got taught anything at all, like no. business wise. No, no, yeah. no. at school. For no. art school, anyway. Yeah, you get you get taught the theory no. and the history how to think and, like and an how artist. to make yeah. art, but yeah. you don't get taught. I think that's why I'm only in more recent years focusing on actually being an artist. And I, but I felt like I needed a decade working in the industry to work it out right, yeah, to, yeah. to do it. So that's fantastic that you guys are doing that book. I think that would be really helpful to a lot of graduates. Yeah, I think, I think to be sorry, I was just gonna say, I think to be honest, that was one of the reasons that I just didn't even want to do a BA in art because I was just mm-hmm. like, what's the point? Like, it's just gonna be so difficult afterwards mm-hmm. that I might as well go down a similar route, but at least one that 
might have more of a job at the end of it. Yeah. Mm. And I feel a little bit disappointed in myself saying that, but you've got to be realistic at the same time. But also, yeah, we're, we're recording this in London, which is like the most expensive place in the country to live. And unless you're incredibly fortunate and have parents who live here and can fund you to do your practice, you, know, you have to get a job. So yeah. it, it is very, very hard, I think, when you graduate and you have all these big ideas and then actually, you know, well, okay, I still need to I do this on the side because I need to pay the rent. And yeah, I think yeah. it's quite a shock to a lot of people, I think. And, and yeah, the reality, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I called an artist yesterday and she lives in Islington in one of those big sort of four-storey houses. Mm-hmm. Um, she lives on the top floor. She's got um, three large rooms. One of them is her studio. Um, and she's running it, it for um, a friend of the family. It's an Airbnb. She's got three um, lodgings just for sort of seeing people in once or twice a week. Wow. Yeah, yeah. How cool is that? And funny, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a nice touch. Mm. Yeah. And Delphine, are you, like, are you feeling anything's getting missed out? Like your own practice? Or like, are you doing too much podcast or too much writing or too much of your own stuff, too much curation? Yeah, with the balance. I mean, it all sort of balances out just about. (laughs) It's always a juggling act, but it's yeah, it's all right at the moment. We'll see what happens next year. Yeah, I mean, the reason reason I do it is because I just get sick of doing one thing, so I do something else for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. How do you guys balance it between the two of you? Does like one of you is one of you stronger in one area, and like you know, like yeah, I mean, we sort of just sort of fell into different roles in the gallery, didn't we? Really, like yeah, there's things that I'm really shit at, you're good at, things that. Your shit out, I'm good at. Yeah. So it just works out so far. It's incredibly fortunate that the things that I'm shit at luckily are the things that yeah. Nick are good at. Yeah. Yeah. Like recording and this the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know how to work this recorder or do any of the editing or any of that. So luckily, Nick does. It's, it's the same for us when we were walking here and you were like, you were talking to me about like what type of mic they were going to use, and I was like, oh yeah, cool. Well, I'm schizophrenic, and between us, we just get by. That put an air brake on the conversation. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, at, at, at moments like this, this is where we would dive into the killer questions uh, back. Okay. Yeah. So how about we go for one and you can all answer it. Go what, on. What one piece of advice would you give to a, an emer- emerging early career artist? Don't look at me oh. first. I need time to think. I'm slower <laughs> than everyone else. All right. <laughs> Nick. See you, Nick. Yeah. Uh, right, talk, talk to strangers. Actually, right, you go, 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 nice can we... go to shows and talk to strangers. Because no one really oh, knows what you do. Point. Are you oh, willing to say what, what you do, do on the podcast? I don't know what I do. Because obviously Jack, you're not a practicing artist. Well, I, I know what you do. Uh, you, so yeah, but you audience, know what I do. The audience uh, So you work at Alan Cristea. That's true. In some capacity. Something to do with uh, art fairs, logistics, right? That's right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I organise their art fairs. I organise all the behind-the-scenes stuff for their shows. And I organise exhibitions with... Art proof co host mm-hmm. Eric, who's not here today. Uh, and my advice would be go to private, sh- private views and talk to as many strangers as possible because they're the people that will put you in touch with mm-hmm. other people that can help you. That's there a good one, we've never yeah. had that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I was going to say. That's it, that's, that's how I ended up getting most of my jobs mm. or any bits of freelance. It's always come from a stranger helping you out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's how I met Ben and yourself. 
Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'd say don't be afraid to ask for help from fellow artists. Mm. I was very, oh, I, I still am quite funny about asking for help, even though that whenever I have, it's always been, you know, coming to me in, in droves, but I'm always um, very nervous about asking artists for help or advice. Yeah. But I'm getting better. <laughs> it's working out well. It's, it's coming all right. <laughs> all right, let's just go in a circle. All right. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I feel you have to, you don't want to treat it like a business, but you kind of have to understand at least that, you know, you can't just, you know, I'd love to just sit all day and, and paint, but you have to market yourself. You have to know how to play the game and be on social media and have a presence and I think as much as it is 100% important to go out and meet people and do it, that's probably more important but you also have to in these days I think you have to have a presence online as well um, and also I think just bonding with other artists like is, don't see them as competitors see them as people that you know can help and support you and that I've, I've found that that's led to things for me is, is by supporting other artists and working collaborating as much as possible and I think that that helps raise your profile massively Similar to that, I would say don't burn any bridges. And this is mm-hmm. kind of, it's not just for art, it's just anything in life. You know, you do a job, you get involved with something, you collaborate with someone, <coughs> you move on and you like forget about them because you're moving on to the next thing. Mm. But I think if you can take the time to keep looking back and nurturing those relationships and just like sending the odd email and reconnecting, you never know when things are going to come full circle mm-hmm. again and someone's going to get in touch with you with like, a prospect or like you know an exhibition or something like that and something you did five years ago is suddenly useful again I think that's really important yeah definitely, definitely. Yeah. Mm. I wish I'd got that bit of advice earlier in my career I've got a few bridges in there. <laughs> <laughs> and also when you're so young you're so, you're so keen to just like move on move on yeah. and like get to the next thing and you kind of forget to like look after the things that you've been doing before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of carrying on from yours actually so be easy to work with reply to emails quickly and yeah, just be like available and yeah just easy to work with because it's really important and word, word travels and uh, if you're not easy to work with it like definitely like puts you at disadvantage in the future from other opportunities yeah yeah, yeah. mine's similar I mean I've answered this for Delphine before but I just you just don't have the time at this age that you did at that nice young youthful age so yeah use it whether it's in social media, the networking, or actually doing the work, just take every second to do it, I think. Yeah. And you have all that freedom and less bills and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> commitments. Yeah, yeah, whether it's your mortgages, children, partners, yeah. whatever. Yeah, just yeah, use all that freedom the best My- you can. And then also. Go to prison, man, you get loads of work. <laughs> <laughs> And also, um, don't get sucked into the doing stuff for free in exchange for what Definitely, yeah. might be promotion <laughs> or exposure. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. so give you exposure. Yeah, it's, that never worked out for me. <laughs> Stay well clear of that. Yeah, because you've got to figure out how to yeah, make say no. Business. What you say, yeah, yeah, just make, say no. Like, you'll be able to afford to live. And people will take advantage if you do mm. something for free once. They'll they'll keep yeah, never using, stops. keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember I, I gave myself a rule that I was going to do things for free whilst I was studying. And the minute I was studying, mm. like, no unpaid internships, like, nothing. Yeah. That was, like, my rule, and I just mm. stuck to it. And that kind of 
saw me through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you gave me a job, so that helped. <laughs> <laughs> as a counterpoint, though, there is such thing as um, working uh, in exchange for something that isn't money. So sometimes, yeah. although you may not be getting paid in cash, some, some of the jobs that you do where you don't get paid in cash or some of the things that you do that doesn't result in cash can result in things that are far more valuable than cash. Yeah. So it's about identifying which of those Can you give an example? Are. Uh, well, I did a lot of writing for a lot of magazines for free right. before I started getting paid. Mm -hmm. And if, if I'd have gone in trying to get paid work writing right at the very beginning, nobody would have hired me. My writing was terrible. So I needed but did you that. approach them? Uh, I mean, it varies, it varies yeah, yeah. but I mean, that's just the first thing that comes off the top of my head. But yeah, some, yeah. Some, th some things that, um, say working with charities is another thing, that's, you're working for free, but yeah. it has the benefit of obviously doing some good in the world, but also um, there's kind of networking opportunities and visibility and things that you get from doing things like that. Well, can I just interject there, because working with the charities is helped me no end yeah exactly yeah, yeah from because i mean I, after coming out from prison i really have problems with sort of being in, in crowds and around people mm -hmm. i'll go to loads of private views but i do I, I, tr I find it difficult being around crowds so i sort of get out as quick as possible really mm -hmm. and even though i know that's to my detriment so I don't sort of socialise too much with other artists. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I figured if I bring all of these artists in, or, or sorry, I discovered that by bringing all of these artists in, doing these big um, projects that I do, that's one way of getting to know all of these artists, as is this podcast. Yeah. Because, you know, spending um, half an hour looking at someone's eyes, talking to them, having a, an honest conversation, yeah. you build a bond up there straight away, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's helped me no end. That's actually another thing. None of us are getting paid for doing podcasts. None yeah. of us. Yeah. We all do a lot of things, probably that we don't. I've been do. asked yeah. to pay someone to be on my podcast. Someone asked right. for money. Oh, who? One who? <laughs> Vic Reeves. Oh, really? Yeah. But it was via his management. I should say it was. Uh, his, yeah. I had to go for his managing management. They asked how much the fee was. I said, "There's not a fee. It's about people who love art mm. and not money." And so did he, he said, do it? I didn't, I told him to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I refrained. Uh, no, that ain't, that ain't what I'm doing it for. He's yeah, yeah. not that big. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've had a guy off the streets give me his time, yeah. you know? Who the fucking hell is he to ask money, you know? Yeah. That's, that was my... So I burnt the bridge with him. Going back to <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he burnt the bridge. Yeah, yeah, well, let's know if he even knew that he probably fee was didn't. being proposed. He probably didn't. That's why I feel a bit, bit disingenuous saying yeah. it was him because it wasn't him, it was his, his, his manager. Yeah. Yeah. So he probably wasn't even aware of it. But I should be meeting him next week. Oh, right. So I've This goes out after that. So, so luckily, burning <laughs> <laughs> of the bridge will happen after. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if this could be edited out either way, Vic Reeves is a bastard. Vic Reeves is brilliant. <laughs> Depending on how I get in next week. What were these tips that you were told to use while podcasting that you tried out? Or can you tell us one of the tips? Which what, 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 oh, so you mentioned you were told tips like how to, to podcast. podcast. Yeah, it, well, I'm I'm not one for being competitive. Mm -hmm. um, and someone said I should be competitive. Someone said that I've I've got loads of artists in the bank, like big names, yeah. 
throw them out. And I was saying I'm not comfortable with that because I'm after the person's story of how they got to the position they're in, depending on what rung of the ladder they're on. And it, it didn't, it genuinely didn't bother me how high up they were. And but I took it on board because the, the person who said it to me, their podcast is massive. So I started doing it, and I felt so bad doing it by saying, oh, I've got this person in, it's the best, you know, the, the, the biggest people out there. And it, it, really, it really isn't me. So I've done it once or twice, and then I said, oh, I, I, I don't give a fuck about all that, so I'm not doing it. Yeah. <coughs> Whether it's to my detriment or not, I don't know, but, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't my cup of tea, really. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Delphine, is there uh, someone you'd like, who's your top of your hit list? to her and find out what's going on there because she seems to be a very interesting woman and she's doing a well, lot she, of things that are... She wrote saying she listened to our podcast so hopefully she'll listen to oh. this and you can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like Cornelia Parker. That oh yeah, very good. Show. Yeah, she would be Really, good. really good. I'd quite like to speak to Bridget Riley just because she never gives anything away. If you could guarantee that she would. Well, because she was slightly obsessed with her. I am. <laughs> obsessed with her. Yeah, she was just, I met her a few years ago she's just so fucking cool. <laughs> so, but she would be, she'd be really... If you could get her talking... I think she'd be good because so many people try and fail to open her up and she'll mm. just storm out of a room and then someone tells you the interview's over. <laughs> so if you could actually get her to, to you know, tell some stories in the 60s, that would yeah, be pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, because she's got them. She's so. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Is she willing to share the Gareth? Well, I've sort of tried to spread my wings with, with getting... Um, Loads of types of people, and as I say, I've had tattooists, I've got a, a, a framer lined up. Um, I, I don't really care who, who comes on. I'm, I'm, we've obviously got the dream ones. Um, I mean, Damien Nurse would always be quite cool. Yeah. I'd like to get Ralph Harris in a room on my own, but I presume that'd be a room in which you were switching all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I sort of go for. For anyone, really. If they've got a good story, then... Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah, I thought no, I was no, just no. going to get to ask it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't thought at all. Gosh. Um, How about just, we come back to you, though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what's been you guys' favourite topic to talk about this year? Or, or oh, what's, yeah, yeah, what's made you laugh? We don't, we, we yeah, don't, you don't, don't, we don't interview we anyone. Don't, no. We kind of personally um, don't do that. We just... We, um, what's been a good story? The, the gold toilet going was pretty oh, good. Yeah, the gold toilet that's and so actually good. the um, the BBC documentary about the 
um, the guy who yes. did the 50 oh, video so good. I was listening to that today yeah, I was absolutely with you. obsessed with that if you've not seen it, it it's, it's like it's unbelievable what he did and what he got away with right. and then it's just like you couldn't have written it like the no. twists and turns the fact it's that better he's, than any film the fact that he's still alive and like the FBI haven't got him I know it's, it's been all these people in America who have literally lost millions and millions and they don't know where he is he was in the 80s and 90s he moved to New York and he literally went out there with nothing and he's like incredibly impressive to some respects he started off what was he selling to begin with pâtés pâtés yes. <laughs> and then he got into art yeah, like the, yeah. you know it's very natural he basically he sold really obvious art that he knew would sell really well like Van Gogh and Picasso and it was easy sales and he basically built up people's trust um, by paying quickly and stuff at first but then he got into the stock exchange and lost a lot of money and then basically ended Panics. up yeah so what he would do is then he would like consign work off someone and then sell it and people and he would just end up in this and then never get the but money back weren't you guys yeah. saying he, he didn't understand what he'd done wrong yeah well I mean Still, this is like this he was is the like, psychology like yeah. you know if you, you ever watch something like the Netflix the fire festival documentary and stuff like yeah. that the psychology of like people not understanding that they've committed a crime and that they've actually ruined people's lives. They've, you know, right. ruined so people's in businesses. Head, in his head, he's trying to and do he's still, Well, he says, like, he's basically, he says that he's still innocent because he wrote them invoices. But they're like, but then they're like, yeah, but you never paid the invoices. Yeah, yeah. And then you fled the country. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, why sent all their the lawyers? Yeah. And I think it's just amazing that all these big New York gallerists, they, they all, they, you know, these relationships are all built on trust, particularly back in the nineties. Like, the, you know, the, the consignment notes were very like rudimentary, and they all just like if they knew each other, they were all part of the same gang, and it was all fine. And then it was Sotheby's that finally broke it because obviously they were much more established. Yeah, and then I think they're finance team got involved and didn't he and say they someone realized, left the art world altogether which is a bit sad off the back of yeah so um, he found yeah, there's, he this one, there's this one moment actually where you do kind of break through his like barrier of just not admitting Michael Cohen by the way and there's one bit where you do see that finally like there's like a little glimmer in his eyes that he might have done something wrong mm. when the, the documentary maker leans across and is just like you do realise like after this fraud that you committed on one of the galleries the guy just gave up because he just couldn't believe that somebody would do that to him mm. and he just quit the gallery world completely. Mm, and his like, fate, and then he's like, oh, oh, okay. For like a second. For like a second you can kind of see like it's like dawning. Yeah, yeah but I don't think a con man can have any empathy because that's I think he conned himself. To, I think yeah. he yeah. just, he was so convinced himself that, you know, he, he always had the intention to pay them back so therefore he's not he didn't commit the crime because he always intended to pay them back. Yeah. Yeah, he convinced himself that that was okay and that's what he was doing. But it was just mad. Like you hear all these people talking about it, and then you think, oh, he must be being interviewed in prison. Like, and then he's not. You just see him this, there in France. It's yeah. just. Are you ruined the ending. And the, the green. <laughs> <laughs> the the green of the art world was part of that as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and on that same, t- uh, uh, joining that to our last question. And um, John, was it John Marriott, the forger, several years ago? Do you remember him? Oh, was he... He was doing it with the household paints. Yeah. And they were so yeah. There's a documentary on Netflix about him called Arts and Crafts. Yeah, it's hard to get hold of him. Yeah. I'm obsessed with stories like this. Like, so he would basically go to Walmart, buy some, like, crayons. No, no, not that one. This is a British one. Oh, okay, right. Sorry, that, this guy... He's still, he's still an art legitimately. Yeah, yeah. It, it was fucking beautiful, his story. <laughs> he, he was making copies 
just with normal household paints, but he's putting a medium with them so it's a bit more textured. Maybe I'm thinking the same guy. And then American. this other guy has commissioned him to do a painting. I can't remember what it was, mm. but he's commissioned him to do a painting um, as a copy. But the guy sort of half forged it, so it was a bit of an unscrupulous character. Mm -hmm. But this guy had access into the the vaults underneath. I can't remember. It might have been the National Gallery or. Yeah. And what he was doing, he was faking the authenticity of these paintings. So he was putting all this fake authenticity down in the in the doldrums, you know, getting him to paint this other artwork, yeah. um, calling it this lost artwork, and then bringing it out. And they was doing that for years until it all come on top. But the galleries, the auction houses, were so greedy, they never even sort of tested it. And it was all fucking Dulux paint, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy that I was talking about, um, he's the subject of the documentary Arts and Crafts. Yeah. That's on Netflix, I think. He would like go to a shop, buy some like regular crayons, do a painting in the style of someone like Rembrandt or something, mm -hmm. and then he'd bequeath it to an institution like a museum, and then they'd hang it. They'd hang it, and um, and he's he's been doing this for like all his life. He's just some like recluse guy who lives on his own or. Maybe with his mom or something. Um, and he's just been doing this for years, but he's not committing any crime because he's donating them to yeah. museums oh through other people sometimes. So, like, it's. it's uh, but he, if, he's, if he's claiming it to be a Rembrandt, then surely that is a crime by. Fraud, sure. no, yeah, it's surely it's just fraudulent, even if he's I, not making money from it. I can't surely. remember what way around it was, but like copyright right. or something. No, yeah. He wasn't yeah. committing a crime. No, so he's, he's been doing it for years. There's. Wow. Museums all over the world that have got his yeah, paintings. Eight, eight yeah. have the same paintings in yeah. different galleries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because it's like because he's donated it to the museum. It's up to them to verify or, or, yeah. or not. Yeah, they've not done the so, job. So yeah, so he's 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 been doing it and he's still doing it. And, and he's even had yeah. the private investigator there with yeah. him, didn't he? Interviewing him, and he's got all of these fucking paintings on the go. He's even saying, I'm donating this one to that guy. Yeah, this one's going to Mo. Yeah. This one's going to <laughs> in yeah, he, he's, in, he's in the documentary <laughs> painting and stuff. <laughs> donating. It's amazing. So. It's amazing. That's wild. Yeah. yeah the, the, it's always like this that we live for in our podcast, isn't it? Love that. <laughs> <laughs> juicy stories are always good, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Who's that? There's a new guy that's that's been just been done for. Um, frauding people as well. Oh, what's his name? It was just in the Guardian recently, but it seems that he's like the new one of this decade. And he started out really young, and again, just kind of started off paying people on time. He's been really, really on it and building up trust. And then everyone loves an art fool, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe your dream interview is one of these. Oh, criminals. that's that oh, is yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so we, we were just earlier on today. We were just like texting about the story of the the de Kooning that got stolen back in like 1985 in America mm. from um, I think one of their like regional museums, and like it's back in the time when they didn't have full CCTV, and it was like a husband and wife duo that just went in, and the wife distracted the guard by talking to him long enough for the husband to literally like cut the de Kooning out, oh, nice. out of the frame and wow. they just walked off with it and they, they never got caught and eventually <laughs> this old woman died 
and when they went through her like her or her belongings, there was a Takunig. So they think it was probably well, just them. Got, got and they, sold to well, they know they've got no evidence of what it got sold out. So mm. I like to think that literally this couple just were like, we want a Takunig. Yeah. So they literally <laughs> just went and cut it out and stuck it yeah, yeah, and just left them like the rest of their bin on the wall. Yeah. That's good restraint though. If you manage to pull it off and never try, bother trying it again. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah they were just like, done. Yeah. 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 Had to dream yeah. artwork. Yeah. Yeah. That artwork as well has been estimated to have been worth $160 million. No, wow. Imagine how that's only better than one. But also, can you just imagine, like, just friends coming around for dinner and just being like, didn't we just read It's a horrible painting, though. If you don't know who de Kooning is, you wouldn't back that other two, I don't think. I've always been fascinated by the... The, the little etching that um, Lucian Freud done of Francis Bacon that got stolen outside was that I think that was outside the National in the sixties, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you got those days. It was just so yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> you could leave your back door open. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was always fascinated by that. That's never appeared its head, and that's only a small little etching on mm. copper. I think a huge part of the reason why the Mona Lisa is so famous is because it got stolen. Well, this yeah. is what this is what makes me think of your your stuff that you've been doing when you know you've been like you know interfering into other people's works and changing them and then seeing whether like, the value increases or not because you know it makes me think we've talked about it on our episodes about mm-hmm. well. obviously like the Banksy recently that got shredded mm-hmm. all these things like the de Kooning about they're they're worrying about whether the value's going to go up or down but more times the value goes up because it's now got a story yeah, 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 yeah exactly mm-hmm. gives an extra. Dimension to it. And she had Martin, Martin Creed donated a print to me and I burnt it. And I put a glass on his face. So, you know, if this was a glass, I put that on his face, set a light to the four corners, and it all went in. But it was on the back of a frame. And then, so I just, once it had burnt, I took the glass away and put the, put the glass back on, sealed it in the frame, put sort of um, like a silicon around the back so none of the ash can go anywhere. I put that in my first show. It was up for a tenner. Because like, the artist gave me their price on it. So yeah. Martin Creed being Martin Creed said, I'll put it in for a tenner. So I put it in for a tenner. It didn't fucking sell. <laughs> People were thinking it was like a bit sort I'll of I'll tenner for an hour. I've bought it myself. That was my investment. <laughs> yeah, but Martin Creed's head. <laughs> but is, isn't that why Banksy did that? Or do you think that's why Banksy did that? Because it's a... a it's hundred percent a publicity stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, there's, like there was a, there was a video that like debunking the myths around that, and it was like there's no battery in the world that would have survived mm. fully charged yeah. for ten years. Or and I think or the or fact that he's now selling t-shirts on his shop, which are half shredded, <laughs> to me kind of sums up the fact that he had every intention. Well, he just he won in all regards in that because he yeah. got so much publicity out of it, and the and value actually, of the world. But was, like, yeah, but what I'm saying is, wasn't it him sort of yeah, pointing my out concept? Yeah, but this is, this is, what, this is why I mean he wins because he gets to make a really like great right. statement about yeah. that yeah. and get all the publicity from bank. it and make a lot of money. Yeah. So he just like it's a win win. He just knows how to play yeah. so well. And everyone else stands there like, you know, people like me and you, and we get really critical of it, but we're just like, yeah, he's laughing though. So Do you know much about this statue that Andy Linky? took and now he's it's been removed it before, yeah. yeah he's mentioned it to me but I wonder if it is Steve or Banksy actually own that statue now you know who put it into Sotheby's 
Because he's always claimed that Banksy's people took it back. I don't think that. Steve's think been quite Steve. vocal on Steve is like, it's the worst recently. piece Banksy's ever made, so I don't think Steve's involved. But he's been, he's been um, slagging off Andy on, on social media. Yeah, though. I don't think Andy's friends with the whole Banksy thing. No. Mm. I was just wondering how Steve would even be aware of what Andy's saying online, unless he was involved in it still somewhere. Ooh, if, this is what, <laughs> if what you're saying was going out, should you mention who Steve and Andy are? Steve is Steve Lazaridis from Lazaridis, yeah. ex Lazaridis yeah. Gallery. Um, who and, represented Banksy. Yeah, Andy Link is an artist who stole, um, well, he didn't steal, he found the. the same thing. The drinker, <laughs> statue, the, the drinker statue that Banksy made, stuck it in a flatbed truck and then took it home, put it mm. in his garden. And then, <laughs> I, think, I think he had it for like a year or two and then it just disappeared out of his garden and he says that Banksy took it back. But he says that because he found it, he is the legal owner of it. Well, yeah, he did register it with the police. No, yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's what's happening. And uh, I think Andy is making a documentary about it. Mm. It's been in the works for a long time. Netflix. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> Got Netflix written all over it. <laughs> As it's just broke there, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah, this is the yeah. Christmas crossover. Chris, yeah. cross, Chris, the Chrisover. <laughs> um, yeah, so brought to you from the Artfully Podcast. Delphian Podcast. Art Proof. And the Mizog Art Podcast, soon to be Ministry of Arts. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. See you. Do we clap? Well, that was a nice little Christmas present, wasn't it? Potentially three new podcasts. As you heard there, I previously knew Rowan from the Art Proof Podcast, and obviously I knew Benjamin from Delphium because he featured on episode 23 of the Mizog Art Podcast. As I stated in the intro, you would have heard me plug in all three podcasts on previous episodes. So, go and subscribe to each of them if you haven't already. As 2020 approaches, I'd just like to thank all of you for for your support during 2019. Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah if you celebrate either. Or Happy End of December if none of the above apply. But whatever your belief, Happy 2020. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.